This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher for this podcast. We're looking at Jonah 2, verse 3 today. This is episode number 76, and I've titled it, Why Jonah Feared Drowning. It's sort of been on my heart and mind a lot recently, because for some reason or another, I've encountered a lot of people who fear death. I don't know if you fear death or not. Personally, I don't. Um... We'll talk a little bit about why that is at the end of today's episode. But as we study the book of Jonah, we see, in chapter 1 anyway, that Jonah wanted to die. But we're going to see today in verse 3 of chapter 2 that he did not want to die by drowning. He feared drowning. And so we're going to see why that is in today's podcast episode. Before we get to that, though, if you read my blog, you might have seen, I announced this last Tuesday that uh, one of the books I wrote last year, The Atonement of God, won a gold medal in the religion category from a, a certain website online where they, they do these sorts of things, examine books and then award uh, medals for them. So, so my book, The Atonement of God, won a gold medal. I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, so to celebrate, I lowered the price of the book, uh, the, the Kindle version anyway, on Amazon to $2.99. Um, and uh, it's only going to be that price for a while. So if you have a Kindle reader or the free Kindle app from Amazon, just go over to Amazon as soon as possible, download the book for yourself, and you can find it. Just go to Amazon, search for The Atonement of God. It comes up number one. By the way, if you don't have the Kindle reader, that's okay. I've been telling you the last couple episodes, you can download the free app for your computer, your smartphone, your tablet, whatever. Just go to redeeminggod.com slash KR for Kindle reader, KR, and... Uh, after you download the free app, it's 100% free forever. Then you can go and get my book, The Atonement of God, for $2.99. Read the book for yourself. Now, uh, let's turn to our study of the book of Jonah as we look at Jonah 2, verse 3. So as we continue to look at Jonah's prayer, we come to verse 3. And honestly, not a whole lot happens in verse 3. Jonah is still under the water. He's still, well, at this point, I guess he's in the belly of the fish praying, but talking about his experience in in the water. And so uh, this, this verse sort of gives us an opportunity to talk about something rather strange in the chapter that we see going on with Jonah, especially his attitude. What we see in verse 3, and sort of some of the surrounding verses as well, is that Jonah prefers to die by digestion rather than by drowning. Isn't that strange? I'm, for some reason, my daughters sort of play a game every once in a while. You know, how would you prefer to die? It's sort of a, a morbid game. Uh, but uh, anyway, so this, this would be next time I play it with them, I guess, over dinner or whatever, then this is a question I'm going to ask them. Would you prefer to die by drowning or by being digested in the belly of a fish? <laughs> uh, I don't know which way would be worse, but Jonah certainly seems to have a preference, and that's what we're seeing in verse 3. Okay, so um, the thing is, is let's just look at the verse real quick of sort of what he is saying, and that's going to help us understand his attitude, his mindset here. And that will help us understand why Jonah preferred digest, being digested rather than drowning, okay? 
So verse 3, it begins by saying that um, Jonah, Jonah says, tells God, you hurled me into the sea. Uh, and that word for hurled there is actually the same exact word used back in 1.5 when the sailors hurled their cargo into the sea. And guess what? It's also the same word used in verse 115, chapter 1, verse 15, when the sailors hurled Jonah into the sea. So it's interesting here that Jonah says to God, you hurled me into the sea. Now, wait a second. It wasn't God. It was the sailors. So what does Jonah mean? All right. Well, there's two possibilities uh, because the sailors did hurl him. So we could say that Jonah here is recognizing God's sovereignty over all things. And so indicating his belief here that even though it was the sailors who hurled Jonah into the sea, this is only because they had no choice and it was what God wanted. Uh, You know, the sailors may have done it, but it was God's hand of discipline behind their actions. I suppose if you have sort of a more reformed or Calvinistic background or high, you know, a a super, I guess what is sometimes called a high view of the sovereignty of God, that might be your explanation. Uh, Frankly, I have a high view of the sovereignty of God as well. I just understand it completely differently than than my reformed uh, Calvinistic friends. But uh, so I think the more likely option here is that Jonah simply doesn't want to mention the sailors. We're going to see later in this prayer, especially in verses 8 and 9, that Jonah pretty much hates the sailors. He despises them, and you know he wants to criticize them and set himself up as more righteous and holy than they are. He is morally and spiritually superior to them. This is his mindset. And uh, so he does all this without ever referring to the sailors specifically. And I think that's what's going on here. Uh, He just doesn't want to mention the sailors. And so he is giving credit to God for hurling him into the sea. Uh, Anyway, it's not a big point, I guess. Regardless of who who gets the credit for hurling Jonah overboard, what really matters is what Jonah prayed when he hit the water. Jonah says, next in verse 3, that he went into the depths. All right, this, this means more than that he just sunk deep into the water. And that did happen, and he explains that in verse 6. But this word here for depths uh, has a rich significance, rich symbolism in the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, the, the word he uses here, it, it's uh, metsula, and it's also used in Exodus 15.5 and Nehemiah 9.11, okay, to describe the judgment of God upon the Egyptians when they chased Israel into the Red Sea. You remember what happened? Israel went into the Red Sea, it parted, and they went through on dry land. And then the Egyptians went in, and then the Red Sea collapsed on them, and they all drowned. And so in Exodus 15.5 and Nehemiah 9.11, we read that God caused the Egyptians to drown in the depths. And it's the same idea that... Jonah is referring to here. He's equating himself with these Egyptians. It's interesting. Uh, we see this other places in other, uh, like lots of Psalms. Remember, every verse in this prayer, Jonah is alluding to the Psalms. So there's uh, references here to Psalm 68 and 69, and so on. Uh, but also Micah 719, all right? It says that uh, God casts those who sin, and it's iniquity itself, sin itself, that gets cast into the depths of the sea. That word depths there is used in Micah 7.19 to say this is where God sends sin. 
He casts sin into the depths of the sea. All right, so we sort of am seeing here this theme that this word depths is used as a word of God's punishment, God's discipline upon sin, in a sense. If you've read my book, uh, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, you sort of know how I view all this a little bit. I would explain these texts a little bit differently if we had the time, Micah 719, the, the Egyptians drowning in the Red Sea, and all of that. And we'll sort of get to a little bit of that as we get to uh, the end of today's podcast episode today. But uh, what this means, though, is from a Hebrew perspective, from the way Jonah is thinking, drowning in the depths, being cast into the depths of the sea— It's only reserved for those who are in blatant rebellion against God, who are under the judgment of God, and who have basically been overtaken by sin. They are sin. All right? So if Jonah, in his mind, he's thinking that if he had drowned in the depths of the sea, this would be proof to him and everybody else who knew him or knew what happened to him that he was no better than the Egyptians, that he was no better. He was so guilty, so full of sin and rebelling against God, you know, then that uh, God saw fit to completely reject him, despise him, cast him out, equate him with sin forever. All right? So, Jonah did not drown in the depths, though. He was delivered by being swallowed by this fish. Okay, so from Jonah's perspective, notice what this means. It means that he wasn't fully rejected or despised by God that he wasn't cast out, that he wasn't forsaken. He was still accepted and favored by God instead. That's why God rescued him from drowning. Now, again, Jonah still thinks he's going to die, remember. He's praying this prayer from the belly of the fish. He has no inclination, no thoughts, nothing, no idea that he's going to make it out of this, out of this fish. He thinks he's going to die by digestion down there. Okay? Uh, but at least he didn't drown. And so that is why he is praising God here for delivering him from drowning, because it shows that he wasn't completely rejected or despised by God. God gave him more of a noble way to die, more godly way, okay, rather than being equated with sin. And, and this really is sort of what the rest of verse 3 is also saying. We go on to all this uh, talk about the heart of the sea in the next line. Uh, that's the word heart. Uh, obviously, it can refer to the human heart, the inner character of a person. Okay, but in Scripture, it also refers to two other things. It can refer to the heart of heaven and the heart of the sea, the way Jonah uses it here. Now, uh, you think about this: what is at the heart of heaven? If you think of the heart of heaven, you know the inner character. What makes heaven heaven? What is that? Well, it's God, of course. God and his character and his nature and his being and who he is and what he does. Okay, the heart of heaven is a a way of talking about God. Well, then what is the heart of the sea? What's sort of the opposite? They're often used opposite. Heart of heaven versus the heart of the sea. Well, if God is at the center or the, the, the inner character of heaven, then the heart of the sea would be, again, go back to a Hebrew mindset, a Hebrew way of thinking, it would be the opposite of God. And I don't know if you remember, we, we've talked about this in previous podcast episodes, but they believed, Hebrew people believed, that Yom, this, this uh, ancient, this god of chaos, this false god, this Canaanite god, Yom, in fact, the word for sea was Yom, 
But uh, Yom dwelt in the heart of the sea. So if God is at the heart of heaven, then Yom is at the heart of the sea. And so this is what, again, Jonah is saying here. Yom, the god of chaos, destruction, death, darkness. Jonah was going down to Yom. Okay, And Yom is the complete opposite of God. God brings order, light, and life. Yom is the opposite of that. By the way, we talked a lot about this back in the episode on Genesis 1-2. Probably episode, what is that, episode 2 or 3 of the One Verse podcast. You can go back and listen to that. I talk a lot there about Yom because it's also, Yom is also mentioned in Genesis 1-2. When the surface, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. Okay? Anyway, um... So all this is partly why, by the way, the Israelite people, most of them, they weren't seafaring people. They didn't do a whole lot of ships. Uh, Solomon did a little bit, but but uh, he contracted that. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track here. Uh, the, the Israelite people in general were sort of scared of the sea because they saw it as the dwelling place of Yom, the dwelling place of, of everything that was opposite to God. Okay, and so to drown, to die by drowning meant that you had been completely rejected by God. You had been turned over by Yahweh to Yom. If you go to heaven, you're getting close to God. If you if you die in the sea, then you're getting as far away from God as you can get. It's the opposite of God. To be judged, condemned, and rejected, forsaken by God. That's what it meant to drown in the sea. Right? So, again, this is fitting in perfectly with what we've seen from Jonah's attitude so far. We saw in Jonah chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2, and we're going to see it in more ways here in chapter 2 as we go along, and then we'll also see it in chapter 3 and chapter 4, honestly. Uh, Jonah wants to die. He does not want to do what God asked him to do. He does not want to go to Nineveh. Jonah would rather die than do what God wants. But here we see that Jonah does not want to uh, die by drowning, and now we see why. Uh, he does not want to be re- rejected and forsaken, despised by God. So again, that's what we're seeing here. Uh, this third line in verse 3 also says the same thing. It says, the undercurrents encircled me. All right, this is sort of this, uh, this encircled. It shows that the, the undercurrents were active. And Jonah would have, he's describing them as sort of the chains of Yom in a bit, in, in a sense. Uh, Yom's undercurrents, Yom's chains were wrapping around him and dragging him down. All right, so this is, that's what the imagery here suggests. And then this last uh, statement there in verse 3, your breakers and waves swept over me. All right, uh, again, uh, he, he's referring this to God a little bit, but uh, he's basically saying, God, I, um, you are, were burying me under the sea, under the ocean. You know, this was going to be his grave. He wasn't going to get buried under piles of dirt and shovelfuls of soil. He's going to get buried under breakers and waves. All right, again, indicating that he had been despised and rejected and forsaken by God. Okay, so anyway, this sort of understanding is is crucial uh, for what Jonah prays next in verse 4. So you remember everything we sort of studied today when we look next week at verse 4. But for now, just to close out today's podcast episode, I just want to talk real briefly about this strange attitude we're seeing in Jonah. Uh, He he definitely wants to die, but he does not want to drown. Uh, And we'll we'll see this more again in verses uh, 4, 5, and 6. He describes the horror of drowning. 
okay, and cries out to God. And then in verses 7, 8, and 9, he praises God for rescuing him from drowning. But remember, he's pretty certain he's still going to die, die of digestion there in the belly of the fish. Okay, but, but he's happy at least that he didn't drown. Okay, and why? Well, we've seen why. Jonah, yes, he wants to die, but he wants to die in God's good graces, at least. He wants to die forgiven. He wants to die accepted. He would have been happy if he had been crushed, you know, when the ship, in, verse, in, in chapter 1, the ship was about to break to pieces. Remember that? He would have been happy if the, if the ship had broken to pieces and crushed him. That would have been fine. He would have been happy if the ship had run aground and, and Jonah had gotten crushed on the rocks of the, of the shore. He would have been happy with that. And here he's happy that he's going to be he's going to die from digestion in the belly of the fish. But he did not want to die by drowning. And the reason beca- is because this would have indicated to Jonah that God had cast him out, that God had despised him, rejected, forsaken him, turned away from him, judged him completely, that he would not be forgiven, that okay, all of those sorts of things, that God had turned him over to Yom. All right? So he's happy here now. He sees the fact that he got swallowed by a fish as a sign of deliverance from God. God sent this fish and swallowed me up. And yes, I'm still going to die here. But at least it shows that, that I'm still with God. I'm still in his family. He loves me. He accepts me. He forgives me. Okay, I spit in his face. But he, that's okay. I'm still, I'm still his prophet. I'm still his man. So, so Jonah is happy about that. And because of this, Jonah says, God, when I get to heaven, to your holy temple, okay, to your holy hill, I am going to keep my vows and I'm going to offer sacrifices to you. I'm going to worship you. That's what he says in verses 8 and 9. Uh, he thinks he's going to be able to do all that in heaven. He's not talking about Jerusalem there, temple in Jerusalem. Um, but uh, so, so Jonah's happy and that's why he's praising God here. He, he, had, he had behaved so shamefully that he thought God had turned his back on him when he was drowning. But now God sent a fish, and so Jonah is praising God. God is not mad at Jonah. Right? So, uh, note, by the way, that, that although Jonah has shamed God, God does not shame Jonah. We're learning, remember I told you, this, this, uh, this book of Jonah, one of the questions we're supposed to learn from this is, what is God like? And we're seeing here, sort of, it's a little skewed, a little backwards, a little upside down, but we are seeing here how God treats Jonah, even though Jonah basically spit in God's face. Basically, you know, to put it more bluntly, Jonah gave God the middle finger, okay? But God doesn't do this back to Jonah. God knows that drowning in the depths would have been shameful for Jonah, uh, and so God sends a fish to deliver him from drowning. Now, God has additional plans for Jonah, which Jonah doesn't know yet. We do, but we'll get to that more. And uh, the, the point is, we're seeing how God behaves towards Jonah, and it's not the same way that Jonah behaves towards God. Now, uh, by the way, I want to I point out, Jonah was wrong in all this stuff about drowning. Um, if you have someone who has drowned, a family member, a friend, something like that, this does not mean that God has rejected them, all right? Uh, 
Drowning does not mean that this person, the person who drowned, is despised, rejected, forsaken by God. The Hebrew people thought that because they thought this Yom, this God of chaos, lived in the sea. But that's not true. We know that. In the New Testament revelation from Jesus, from Paul, okay, uh, even later prophets point this out. These, these false gods, false idols, they're nothing. Okay, So um, it, it's just what Jonah believed. It's what Israelites thought. Uh, they considered the sea to be the realm of chaos, a dwelling place of Yom. So if you have someone who has drowned, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they've been rejected, despised, forsaken by God. Okay, they were wrong. Uh, I also want to point out that Jonah was wrong to fear that God might reject him. God never rejects his children. Okay, Jonah, let me say it again. Jonah basically gave God the finger. But God did not reject him. I get emails almost every day from people around the world who have cursed God. They're afraid they've committed the, the, the unpardonable sin, or blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, or they said something horrible, or they thought something horrible, and they feel now that they're condemned to hell forever. God does not reject his children. If you've sinned terribly in your past, or if you have a loved one who has sinned terribly, You have nothing to fear from God. You know, there might be consequences for your actions. There might be. Um, Sin does have consequences, okay? But one of these consequences will not be God rejecting them or God rejecting you forever. Right? You have nothing to fear from God. You are completely loved and completely forgiven. Like I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast, that uh, many people have a fear of dying. I don't. Um, I sometimes think, well, maybe that's because I'm just still middle-aged. You know, I feel like uh still have a couple decades of life left, and so I just haven't thought about death too much. But if you know me, <laughs> I actually think about death quite a bit. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of that in this podcast episode either, but I just, I just don't have fear of death. Why? Well, it's some of what I've shared with you in the last couple minutes. I know the God who loves me and that I am safe in his arms. I know what God is like. I know that he only has my best interests in heart. I know that no matter what happens to me, I will spend eternity with him. And you know what? I want, to, I want you to know that as well. And if, if you want to know that, if you fear death, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not wrong. Okay, but there is no fear in love, John says. And the more you get to know how much God loves you, the less you will fear God and the less you will fear death because you know he's got you. You're safe. You're secure in him. I teach and write a lot about this in my blog, especially in some of my courses, the Gospel According to Scripture and the Gospel Dictionary, what I'm teaching right now. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, though, I do recommend you get my book, The Atonement of God. Uh, the first 70 pages are pretty dry, theological. So if you pick up the book and you're like, oh my word, I can't read this, just skip past the 70 pages. It's fine. <laughs> okay? Um, it, it just, just get to page like 73, and that's when the book really starts getting interesting. I give you 10 things that the crucifixion of Jesus reveals, and some of those are how much God loves you. He's not mad at you for your sin. Okay? And he wants you to know how much he loves you and forgives you and you are safe and secure in his arms forever. 
Again, because of the gold medal it won, uh, that book's on uh, two, on Amazon for sale right now, $2.99. Go to Amazon, search for The Atonement of God. And again, if you need to read it, it's a Kindle book. So if you, if you don't have a Kindle, no problem. Get their free app. It's completely free forever. RedeemingGod.com slash KR. Reading that book, it's going to give you a brand new vision for who God is, how much he loves you, why you have nothing whatsoever to fear from him or from death. So I hope, you know, if you have some fear of God or some fear of death, pick up that book, read it, and I hope you'll find it encouraging. So next week, we're going to pick up our study of Jonah's prayer in Jonah 2, verse 4. See you then.